Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 50. That went quick. You know, I, I feel like me getting to 50 in life took a little bit longer than this podcast took getting to 50, but that's probably a good thing. Hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And we're back, and we're back after a win, uh, the first win in this uh, so far in three games against the, the Lightning. The Islanders hold on for a 5-3 victory in Friday night's Game 3 up in Edmonton. It was a seesaw battle all the way. Islanders score first. Uh, Tampa Bay comes back. Islanders open up a 3-1 lead in the second period. Tampa Bay comes back, ties it 3-3 in the third period, and all of a sudden you're thinking this is going to be heartbreak uh, piled upon heartbreak after the game 2-2-1 loss uh, where Nikita Kucherov scored with 8.8 seconds left. But uh, lo and behold, the Islanders' resiliency comes through. They get a goal from... Brock Nelson for the winner, and then they get an empty netter from Gigi Pajot. They get a little bit of chippiness from Pajot, too, after the empty netter. And the Islanders go into Sunday's Game 4, down 2-1 in this series, and with a chance. And with that, I bring in my two Newsday teammates, Neil Best and Colin Stevenson. And and Colin, I want to start with you, because we started the last podcast with do the Islanders have a chance in this series? And you said, <laughs> I said no. I and, did say no. And I now just, you say. Okay. So, so I'm telling you they have a chance. Um, no, listen, they have, they, they have a chance. They, they played well in game three, uh, but, but they had played re- – I thought they played really, really well in game two, and, and the way they lost that game – I just didn't see how they could play any better, and, I, and if they, if their best game wasn't wasn't going to be good enough to get it done, uh, I didn't see any way for them to uh, win the series. But since then, you know, we and we spoke in that in that last podcast, um, Braden Point uh, suffered some sort of an injury um, and did not play in Game Three, and and clearly, you know, that, that makes Tampa not you know the behemoth that that they were. Uh, you know, two days ago. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, I, I, I don't mind being wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Uh, I still think the odds are that, you know, Tampa Bay ultimately is still a better team than the Islanders. And, and I still think that Tampa Bay is likely going to win, but I don't feel quite as uh, convinced um, tonight that they have no chance as I did two nights ago. And it, and it wasn't just Braden Point out of the lineup. It, it was also the suspended Alex Kilhorn. Now, we know Alex Kilhorn is going to be back for game four. It was only a one-game suspension. And you got to think, you know, obviously we're not around the Tampa Bay Lightning, not, not that we're around the Islanders at this point yeah. either. But you, you saw the, the video and the pictures of Braden Point participating in the morning skate, a full morning skate for the Lightning before game three. So that leads you to believe that he's probably pretty close to getting back into the lineup. Um, you know, the, the Lightning, as you say, are a different team with Killorn and, and Braden Point in the lineup. But, but, Neil, having watched tonight's game, do you think the Islanders can match 
what the Lightning will bring with those two back, if they are indeed back. Yeah, that'll obviously that'll make it more of a challenge. But I think one thing that we've seen is that, you know, that first game with the question was, is this an aberration because they are tired or are the Lightning the best team since the 77 Canadiens? And I think we see that, the, you know, and now you see Trotz actually kind of admitting that game is a throwaway. They were tired. So I do think the Lightning's the better team. But after watching these last two games, I, I think they're very even teams. And therefore, the Islanders obviously do have a chance to come back here. But, yeah, if, if Tampa Bay gets both those guys back, they're going to be uh, closer to, you know, complete like they were in game one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, c- clearly we've seen, though, that the Islanders can play with these guys, which I was wondering about after game one. Um, because each of the last two games are, you know, obviously basically toss-ups. So, uh, yeah, they got a chance. I mean, they still got to win three out of four, which is, you know, it's hard. But, uh, they, yeah, there's a chance. You know, one of the things where, where I thought the Islanders were in real trouble was with the way Andre Vasilevsky played in the lightning net through the first two games. And I, I saw a little bit, uh, weakness is absolutely the incorrect word, but it did look, like the Islanders had done some scouting and had found a spot on Vasilevsky because they were going glove side high, it appeared to me a little bit. Colin, you, you agree? Well, I think what they did um, even more than that is everything's high, right? Because he's a, he's a big body and, and he covers the low ice. So you, you do want to go high. Uh, even in game two, remember um, when Josh Bailey had that, that complete – empty net one with the when the puck was up on edge and he, and he shot it high because you know and they're, they're 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 shooting everything high but i think what they did tonight more more than that was they tried to get him moving side to side i mean there were a lot of cross ice passes and, and the, the the nelson goal the the game winner there is is a classic example of that i mean the, you know the he's he's over uh Beauvillier could have taken the shot himself uh from the left wing and instead he goes cross ice to nelson and, and you know, and that forces uh, Vasilevsky to, you know, go right post to left post. And then, uh, and then you know, Nelson then shoots it back going the other way into the other post. So uh, I think that's what they, they want to do. They want to try and get him moving around uh, with those cross-eyes passes and, and then try and, and catch him while he's moving and maybe hopefully out of position. So that's, you know, but that's – I mean, I don't know that that's different than, than you would do for any goalie. I mean, I think that's probably what you would do for any goalie. But it, it seemed tonight, uh, you know, in game three that he wasn't as invincible as he was in game two. You know, whatever the reason was, I mean, I, I think, you know, he was kind of – I don't want to say he was average, but he was kind of, you know, only good, you know, as opposed to, you know, what he was in game two. So, I mean, that that, that also gives you hope um, that the Islanders could extend the series and maybe even – you know, maybe even win it. Well, the no. other, the, the other big goal. I mean, the other goalie thing was on the other side. Varlamov, uh, you know, he looked really sharp. I, I mean, uh, barring something strange, I think we're done with the uh, alternate with the goalie uncertainty for the rest of the series because uh, Varlamov, I think, has reestablished himself, and uh, that's also good news for the Islanders because they can stop thinking about who's going to start goal. Yeah, you know, one of the other things we discussed on the last pod was possible lineup changes. Now, none of us had Casey Casey Sezikis out for this game, and that, you know, really does radically alter what the Islanders are doing. They made it work, however, right, with J.G. Pajot basically going into Sezikis' spot between Clutterbuck and Martin, and 
you know, I I until Nelson scores the winner at the end, I, I might argue that Pajot, Clutter, and Martin w was the, I the Islanders' best line consistently throughout that game. But, but even though it's, I mean, obviously that was a case where you had to make a move because of injury. But I thought the more interesting thing in terms of our discussion last time was that we were wrong in terms of him shuffling the top lines. He just, you know, yeah, he made a move based on injury and he, he went away from Lad. But basically, he went into that saying Johnny Boychuk's not dressing and all these other creative things we were talking about with the top two lines are not happening. He basically stuck with what he had in game two, which, we, which you know, he mostly liked. But. In terms of that fourth line, which I guess today was the third line, whatever, you know, obviously Pajot is a is a perfect sort of plug-in there instead of Sezikis, and they showed that tonight. Well, there's, there's two things there. Uh, number one, I think, you know, all of our fantasies have taken Uncle Leo out of the lineup. We'll just forget that because this Barry just loves loves Komarov, and and uh, and I and I think uh, so. Just. He's in there unless, you know, the, those two games he didn't play, I'm sure there was some sort of an injury or something that, that, that kept him out of the lineup. So that's number one. And the other thing is, you know, how many different guys is Pajot going to play with on this team? Has he played with every forward on the team? Well, everyone in the bottom six for sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love, you know, there's a lot of things to like about Pajot, but I, I do like his, his fight. You know, he hasn't been in that many fights since he's been here. But it seems like each time it kind of looks the same way. He just – He's a smaller guy, but he just drops the gloves and just – he, like, leaps into the guy he's going after. It's just – it's uh, you know, I don't want to say cute because that diminishes it because I don't – I wouldn't say that to his face. But, um, but, but you know, he, he's such a feisty player who does all, just all this stuff. And, he, like I said, even watching him fight guys is kind of cool. He's a very, very likable guy. I mean, I, I remember seeing – you know, here's a guy. He's getting whacked and hacked and all of that stuff on the way to the empty net. And he takes the time to finish, and he you know he doesn't shoot the puck and then turn around like he he like skates it all the way down to the crease basically, puts it in the goal, and then goes after the guy to fight him. I just think that, that that's just hilarious. I just love it. It says something about what this game was like that two of the Islanders' goals immediately were followed by fights. Like within <laughs> within a millisecond of the goal, there were two goals that led to fights. Yeah, except Lee Lee's thing was strangely just called roughing, even yeah. though the gloves flew off. And yeah. but hey, while we're on Pajot's line, did did anyone else dig Clutterbuck's haircut as much as yeah. I, right? <laughs> I mean, two. It, it's sort of an expanded mohawk look. I mean, both sides. Andrew, of Andrew, I think it's a look that you need to replicate. <laughs> I swear to God, I might go to that. I mean, it was it, it's a really good look. <laughs> yeah, when I was a football beat writer, we'd sometimes talk about which player you'd least want to get, you know, mad at, like really mad at you, like physically mad at you that you're a little bit scared of. I think Cal, you know, is the Cal would be a guy I just wouldn't want to really tick off. You know, he, he he's intimidating to me, <laughs> even though he's even though he's a smart guy and a great quote, he also has that edge to him. Well, you know, the, my favorite thing with him is in the off-day Zooms when he shows up and he's got his glasses on. He just looks like – he looks like a college professor or something. And then and then after a game, he's there in a short sleeve shirt and he's got the tats and the whole bit. And it's like – it's – yeah, you're right. He, I mean, he I, looked – he looked – he looked amped – he looked angry and amped up. And, like, he looked like a guy who had just gotten off the ice in an important playoff game, which, of course, he had. But he, he, yeah, he, he was like, you could tell today on that Zoom, he had not come down from, from his, you know, game face. 
Well, Neil, <laughs> you, you, you almost pushed it, or you did push his button the other day on the off day when you were asking him about Matt Martin, correct? Yeah, I had the audacity to point out that Matt Martin doesn't score many goals normally, <laughs> which is factually correct. But, um, yeah, whatever. And, you know, speaking of, you know, obviously fans uh, care uh, that the team wins. But as, as storytellers, for, you know, for us, having Brock Nelson score the winning goal, I mean, you know, it doesn't get really get any better than that uh, because we're telling stories here. And the story is this guy got his head slammed into the glass twice in game two, and then he gets the game winner. And he, he didn't want to help us tell that story, but that's okay. He, he scored the goal. We could tell the story for him. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, it was kind of indicative, I thought, of the, uh, of the whole team, which is what Brock was trying to say. And, you know, a, a, a great stat out of this game, when Adam Pellick scores his goal, he became the 17th different Islander to score in this postseason run. And they haven't had that many different players score in a postseason since 1983. Now, I mean, that's a little bit skewed because this is their deepest run since 1993. And because of, you know, the, the pandemic situation here, they're actually, as Barry keeps pointing out, they're actually on their fourth series, not their third which in, in a normal year, your fourth series is your Stanley Cup final. However, I, I think it does speak to the way this team is built that you've gotten 17 different players to chip in with at least one goal. Who's, miss, who's missing? I, I was trying to figure out, like, who, which regular hasn't scored? I, like, there has to be a couple or one. Well, I don't know who hasn't scored. Well, so 17, right? I mean, you, you dress 18 for a game. So there's only like one. There's got to be Leo, right? Leo hasn't scored, has he? Oh, uh, let's see. Well, you've gotten so far Tommy Kuhnhockel, who was in at the <laughs> beginning, does not have a goal. Uh, Andrew Ladd, who has played one game, does not have a goal. Michael Dalcall, who was in his third game tonight, does not have a goal. And uh, Ross Johnson, who has played four games. Does not have a goal. The, the one guy who does not have a goal that's a legitimate regular is Casey Sezikis. He, he, Get out of here. He does really? not have a goal yet. No, that's huh. that's the one guy. Looking that goal, by the way, that goal by Pellet tonight, that was a snipe. That was a sweet goal. <laughs> that was a – I mean, like, for a guy who had never scored in the playoffs before, like, it was, like he picked the corner. Like, it was, it was, it was a pretty sweet goal. You know, and the Islanders get those kind of goals. Like Scotty Mayfield scored a really pretty goal. The yeah, other that was goal. Right? That was that was a nice one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they get these goals from you know, which I just think goes to show the amazing overall talent you need to get to the NHL. You know, even these kind of stay-at-home, shut-down defensemen can can shoot a puck pretty pretty well. Um, hey, so now we now we go to Sunday afternoon, the lone day game here, the the lone respite from uh, these eight p.m. starts. Yeah, this is where Neil says we shouldn't get paid for that. Yeah, yeah right. Well, well, yeah, that's fine. Pay us for six games, double, and don't pay us for game four. That's fine. <laughs> I would I would be fine if they just sent a pizza to my house like they do for news on a, on election night, you know, yeah. but. So looking ahead to game four, I, I guess, do you change anything? Um, you know, presuming, or I don't know if we can, but, you know, if, if Sezikis is available, 
I'm assuming you throw him back in, but is there anything else you change now coming off of this game? Because if you listen to Lightning coach John Cooper, uh, that team was extremely disappointed after this game. I think Coop's quote was, we gift-wrapped this one for them uh, in terms of the the mistakes that uh, the, the Lightning made. And, you know, uh, for instance, on – on Nelly's winner, Ryan McDonough, you know, uncharacteristically turns the puck over in the defensive zone, and, and Bo turns that into a, a feed to Nelly, and, and and you got your winner there. But you know, if you're Barry Trotz, are you thinking any changes now going into uh, Game Four? Why would you change anything? You know, I mean, if listen, we don't know what the what the issue is with Suzekas. He was unfit to play. We don't know if it's a one-day thing or if it's a, you know, I, I saw you you tried to ask him if this could be something that, that could linger, and he sort of Keep you know, did a really Keep nice job of dodging that question. I, I, I got I to give it to him. He was, he was uh, you know, he was dancing pretty good on that one. So we have no idea if Sezikis is, is going to play. But, I, you know, I didn't see anything in the last game, and I, and I still have it on my DVR, so maybe I'll take a look and see if anything pops up. But I didn't see anything that, that would, you know, suggest, uh, you know, that he injured this part of his body or that part of his body. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if, you know, what it could be, but let's just assume that he's back in. So, yeah, I mean, so that would be your one lineup change. He would go back in and, and, you know, probably Dal Call would come out and Kamarov would go back to the wing and, you know, the line as they have been. But, you know, other than that, I, I can't imagine why you would change anything. You know, and as I brought up, you know, Zeker is the one guy, really the one regular without a goal. Um, I don't know for sure if you would find something on the DVR in game two. I mean, these guys play through injuries. Zeker could be, you know, dealing with something from as far back as the Capitals series, you know? Yeah. I mean, and he's just, he's just been playing through it, playing through it, and for whatever reason, it, it was – too much for him to play through. That's just, you know, speculation at this point. It could have been something in game two. But the, the point being, at this point in the playoffs, you, you, I guess you kind of suppose that all players have something that, that's sort of slowing him down at this point. Yeah, and, you know, obviously you assume he wants to be out there. Uh, so, uh, but the fact that, well, allegedly he was a game time decision. So I, I mean that that leads you to think it's not something super serious. But we, we can't trust anything anybody says to us about injuries this time of year, obviously. So we're all guessing as much as the fans are. We don't know. Right. Yeah. Barry said that. Uh, didn't Barry say he did say that it was yesterday that he he sort of had an inkling that that yeah. Play? Yeah. So yeah, maybe it was off of game two, but I mean that's the thing. Uh, it is very hard to tell. At the, you know, during a normal playoffs, when you're around the team, it's it's impossible to get information out. And now, you know, with, with everything being conducted via Zoom conferences and, you know, from a distance, as the NHL, you know, probably rightfully should be doing for, for health protocol reasons. But it is very tough to try and speculate on what is going on and what is wrong with, with individual players. Um, I, I think we're done trying to guess whether Barry is going to juggle his defensive alignment, right? These are the six defensemen. Yeah, but you know what, you know what I thought was interesting today. I mean, in, in, in the, in this game three, I noticed a lot of mixing and matching with the pairs. I mean, I noticed uh, Letty playing with, uh, with Mayfield quite a bit. Uh, I saw 
Um, Green playing with uh, with Taves uh, once or twice for a shift, and some of, some of this stuff is you know like after a power play or after a penalty kill or something like that, or maybe somebody's caught on a change and one guy changes and the other guy doesn't get to change right away. But it, it did look like uh, Letty and Mayfield uh, played a few shifts together, and um, and if you look at the ice times, uh, you know I I think it's it's probably going to show you that Letty had a, a ton of ice time. At least I know in the first two periods he did. So. So it did look like Barry was at least moving guys around and sort of mixing up the pairs. And it wasn't three and six all the time. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't 24 and 25 all the time. He did, uh, he did you know, change, it, change up the looks once in a while. You know, and, uh, and, and Barry does that. He's done that during the regular season. I think more so, you know, uh, during the home games when he can really get the matchups he wants. He, he feels a little bit more free to uh, to tinker and really get the guys on ice, you know. But tonight was a home game, right? It was, it was game and it was their home game and he had the last change, so that makes sense. The, the, the ice times here for the defensemen, since we're, we're, we're talking about it, Nick Letty at 2047 uh, with four block shots, by the way. Uh, Adam Pellick at 1949 and Adam Pellick and I know the plus minus stat is not really worth the, the paper it's printed on but Adam Pellick was a plus four in this game so you know that is notable in 1949. Andy Green was at 1551, Ryan Pulak at 1955, um, Scotty Mayfield logged a, a 2205 you know so that 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 was and Devontae's at 20 39 so you know Mayfield with the with the with the most ice time of anyone and you are correct he was uh skating with Letty a lot particularly uh I thought in the second period with the long change um anything else for game four that you guys are going to be watching out for I mean you know obviously if this game was a 99.9 percent must win for the Islanders I would almost call game four a 98.9% must win for the Islanders. I'd say 97.2%, but yeah, it's, it's uh, basically this new general idea. Well, now it's possible I, I miss, I, I didn't notice this correctly because I was too busy typing, but um, you know, Victor Hedman seemed to be less noticeable yeah. tonight than yeah. normal. You know what? I had the same so, thought. So, you know, that was interesting to me because usually I notice him all the time, but partly because he's so enormous, you can't miss him. But, you know, were there other stars I noticed a lot, like Kucherov? Um, yeah, Hedman was kind of just there, which uh, I, I guess that's – I don't know what that means, but if that, that's a good thing for the Islanders, obviously. Well, if you go back to the episode I did with Pat Flatley, one of the keys he gave me to this series was dumping the puck in deep towards Hedman's side and then just getting in on the forecheck and continually hitting his body. And it might not take an effect in game two or game three, but, but Patrick was saying that as the series goes down, that kind of strategy will really wear a defenseman down. Um, you know, teams have used it on other, you know, big-time defensemen, uh, defensemen in the past. Then, you know, what you're noticing, I mean, yeah, it could be just, you know, a player who is not having a spectacular night, just a, you know, a very good night because Hedman has had some spectacular nights. Or it could be that the Islanders' physical nature is starting to wear him down a little bit. And that would be, you know, something 
that would benefit the Islanders greatly as the series, if they could get this series to go deeper and deeper. Let's see what the, I know, I noticed that, that Matt Martin uh, in particular was out there just banging bodies. Let's, let's look at the stats and see how many hits he he's credited with. Yeah, he was hit. He's credited with two hits, which is crazy. That doesn't seem right at all, actually. Yeah, and actually, I mean, the Lightning. If but you look, Clutterbuck has four and Lee has four. Yeah. And, and Leo Komarov has seven. Yeah, Pelik's got six. But uh, according to the sheet, the Lightning out hit the Islanders 62 to 44. Yeah. And it was not that skewed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely not that skewed. All right, forget that then. I don't know. It just, it just seemed uh, yeah, because I I I remember a sequence when uh, NBC Sports was showing a, a sequence of Martin running around and and banging bodies, and it, it just seemed to me that on that one sequence alone that they showed, he had more than two hits. So I don't I don't really know what was going on with that, but but I mean that is you know I I think with any number one defenseman, any big time defenseman, I think that's what you want to do. I mean, you, you, you want to, you want to dump the puck into their corner, make them go get it and you hit them. I mean, they did that with Danny Potvin back in the day. I mean, you know, that's what, uh, that's what you do. I mean, that's not a newfangled thing. I mean, that's something that you've been doing probably since this game was invented. So, um, you know, yeah, but any Islanders are, are, are constructed to be able to do that. If you look, I mean, Komarov had seven hits again. I didn't, didn't realize you know he had that many but I mean if you have a guy that's that's willing to do that it's Komarov hits people Pajot had four hits Martin as we know hits people you know so I mean they've they've got a team that's built to do that so yes they can they can attack this guy and try and wear him down and maybe that's what what happened in game three and and maybe that's a you know a good sign of what what could be coming you know it's not the hits that Komarov gives gives out I think he just annoys the heck out (laughs) and and that's starts to wear players down but well look game four is certainly I mean the the Islanders bouncing back after blowing a lead in the third period has certainly made game four a lot more interesting than it might have been had they gone into it down 3-0 so uh you know looking forward to Sunday afternoon's game and uh looking forward to uh maybe talking to you gentlemen again after that. And uh, I, w- I want to thank you both for uh, joining me on the big 5-0 episode of Island Ice here. I'm very honored to be part of your 50th uh, episode. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, everyone, uh, Newsday readers, appreciate uh, you working for free on Sunday afternoon too. So that's, oh, okay. uh, that's, a, yeah. that's a bonus. <laughs> that is colin stevenson and neil best you can find him on twitter colin is at colin s newsday neil best is at sports watch you can find me on twitter at a gross newsday you can find anything all of us right on the islanders page at newsday.com backslash sports look for the islanders tab you can also find all the back episodes of the Island Dice podcast. You can find the back episodes on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate, like, subscribe, leave a comment. Let us know how we're doing as we hit the big 5-0. And we'll be back with the big 5-1 after Sunday afternoon's game four of the Islanders and Lightning Eastern Conference semifinals. Until then, Happy hockey, everybody.